0: breaking down barriers that keep people from knowing Jesus Christ. That's the topic today on Evidence and Answers with Christian apologist, scholar, and speaker, Pat Zuckerin. Today, you're going to hear Pat Zuckerin live in Honolulu, Hawaii, as he speaks before a crowd about tearing down barriers that keep people from God. My name is Kevin Harris, and Pat, this was part of a series of messages you did in Honolulu, and I really liked the introduction that the pastor there gave you.
1: Yes, Kevin, you know, I was in Hawaii teaching at an apologetics conference at the International Baptist Church. Pastor there is Pastor Stan Pons who is introducing me here at this conference.
2: I'm reminded of a verse that goes like this, that the law came by Moses but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And I meditated a lot upon that passage throughout my ministry and I realized that over and over again it refers to grace or mercy and truth in that order. And so it really behooves us that when we want to engage the culture, that we engage it with a great deal of grace and mercy. But at the same time, there are a lot of people that are Christians that will engage the culture with love and grace and mercy, but not with a lot of truth. It's not that they don't believe truth, but they don't know how to put that truth together systematically from Scripture and appropriately engage the culture. On the other hand, there are some people that know a lot of truth. They've been taught a lot of good stuff from the Bible. But they've become so heady with that knowledge that they have forgotten to engage the culture with grace, with their truth. And it's really a blessing for us here that we're learning that balance to do it like Jesus would do it. If you come here to church, you go up and down the and you can see nothing but various religions and cults and isms and spasms that are out there and here on this island sometimes different than the mainland and that people are very much entrenched in their false belief system and for those of us who live here know that we're not here by accident that God has sovereignly designed us to be here to have a ministry of engagement to our culture with grace and truth and so today we're having a very special speaker that's going to help us learn how to do that with the barriers to this uh, ungodly belief system that's out there. But I especially appreciate our speaker because he's not someone who just knows this truth, but he lived in the same culture in which we live today. So he knows this culture, although they're unbelievers here as they are anywhere else in the world. And the truth will never change. Now, how to do that with grace and truth is what we're going to learn today. We'd like to give a special aloha to Pat Zuckerin. So, Pat,
1: would you come? Privilege always to come back home. I work for a group called Probe Ministries, it's a Christian Apologetics Ministry. Apologetics is the defense of the Christian faith. We at Probe are designed to proclaim the gospel by presenting the compelling evidence for Jesus Christ. Number two, we defend God's truth against the challenges that come upon it from our culture and the various beliefs throughout the world. And number three, we equip Christians all over the world to defend Challenge false belief systems and present the powerful and compelling evidence for Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 3 through 5 reads like this. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Well, every Christian, I don't care how old you are, you all have a very special calling upon your life. We're all called by God to play a part in His magnificent plan to redeem and transform the world for His kingdom. We all play a special part in that grand master plan. Christ has called each one of us to engage and transform our world for Christ. And we're all going to have a special part in that. The church is not to retreat from the culture. We're not to isolate ourselves from the world behind uh, our Christian enclave. God has called us to go outside of these walls, to reach outside our comfort zone, and engage a lost and dying world for Jesus Christ. He calls us in the midst of this dark world to be salt and light, to penetrate the world and transform it for the kingdom of God. Now, in order to do so, we've got to extend beyond the walls of this church, beyond our Christian enclave, and begin to engage with the ideas that are out there that are opposed to God's truth. And as we move out of our church walls and begin to engage the culture for Christ, we soon realize that our culture has embraced a lot of false ideas that hinder people from putting their faith and believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Most of our encounters as we engage the culture in in the West are generally civil, although some can be quite hostile. But most of them will generally be civil, but you'll face a lot of objections as we Engage the world for Christ and realize that our culture has embraced a lot of false ideas. Here are some of the challenges that you run into often as you are beginning to engage and interact with the non-Christian world. One we hear all the time, wherever we are throughout the world, we're just in Uganda. And this one comes up, relativism. There's no such thing as absolute truth, only opinions that are held and created by the culture. One culture says slavery is okay, one culture says it not. It just all depends on the culture you're in. Truth is not discovered, it is created by the individuals and the culture. There's no such thing as absolute truth. Everyone creates their own truth. Or how about this one? The Bible is a book of myths. There's nothing special about it, it's just like all other religious works. Or here's another one that we're hearing a lot about on specials and popular novels that are being written. The Gospels were written centuries after Christ and have been altered by the early church, so they are not reliable historical records of Jesus Christ. Legends and exaggerations have crept in, so what we have really is an unreliable record. Or here's another one we're hearing a lot about in the East today. Science and Darwinian evolution have proven that God does not exist. Or here's another one that we hear a lot in the islands. It's called pluralism. All religions are the same. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere. Those are some of the common objections you're going to face as you engage the culture for Christ. I don't have time to answer all of these. That's what we're going to be doing in our seminars on Friday and Saturday. But these are some of the common objections you run into. And often, these barriers need to be broken through before someone will listen intently and receive the message of Jesus Christ. Engaging our culture for Christ is more than just sharing a gospel trap. If there's one thing you get out of this message, I want you to get that. When I talk about evangelism or engaging the culture for Christ, it's more than just presenting the gospel trap. Paul gives us some guidelines in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3-5 through in how we are to engage our world for Christ. First, he states this, that we are to engage our world in an unworldly manner. He says in verse 3, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Now Paul uses the term world here, and here he means the present order of things which stand in opposition to God. We live in a world whose mindset is in opposition to God, and therefore we should understand that we are involved in a struggle between the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of this world. If we're going to engage our world for Christ, we've got to understand that there is a conflict here, that there is a struggle between the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of this world. Our battle is against evil itself, the false ideas and the powers of darkness, which seek to overthrow truth and render the gospel of Jesus Christ powerless. So if we're going to step out of our safety zones from behind these walls, We're going to enter into an arena of struggle, an arena of conflict. And Paul assumes here that's what Christians are doing. They are engaging their culture for Christ, and therefore, they're experiencing this conflict. You see, the Christian life, the Christian life is not only about my walk with God, my walk with God involving discipleship, study of His Word, prayer, and fellowship with other believers. A big big component of growing in Jesus Christ, a big component of discipleship, of following Christ, is engaging the world for Christ. Engaging a world which is at odds with God. And that is why Paul, throughout his letters in the New Testament, you're going to find, uses a lot of these metaphors in relation to war. Our struggle, remember, is against the powers of darkness, against sin, and the false ideas that result from a fallen world, opposed to God and His truth. And the goal of the adversary is this. It's to overthrow truth, render the gospel powerless, and send the church back behind its walls into retreat. And unfortunately, he has been all too successful in many places. You know, whenever I come back, I get to interact with several of my friends who graduated from my high school, my alma mater. my high school was designed was created over a century ago as a Christian missionary school designed to educate young men, but also to bring them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. However, if you walk on campus today, or back when I was there on campus, which was not that long, no, actually it's a while ago, but back when I was there on campus, we rarely ever heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Rarely, if ever. And in the Bible classes that we took, I mean, I was taught the Bible is a bunch of mythology. You know, that the miracles that occurred all have naturalistic explanations. And that uh, the miracles that Christ, that the gospels claim Christ did are simply legends and exaggerations that crept into the text over centuries until the gospels were finally written many centuries later. Jesus fed the five, which became the 50, then the 500, you know, then the 5,000. Know, and these zeros kept adding in as the Gospels were exaggerated. So we never took the Bible seriously. We just thought it was mythology. I really came to have a distorted understanding of what Christianity was all about. I mean, when I studied the Bible, the only thing I thought it was about was you know, a group of people called the Jews. And uh, they were always being beat up by this group called you know, the Philistines. You know, the Philistines. And uh you know, eventually Fistines lost and, and and uh I thought they went to Southeast Asia and became the Filipinos, you know, but <laughs> I, <didn't, clears throat> I I really know what the what I rarely heard the gospel being proclaimed. To be honest, the most powerful presentation of the gospel came uh in my third grade reading class from my uh, third grade teacher who's sitting over there now. That's really the only time I really heard a powerful presentation of the gospel. Later came from my friends in high school who came to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But the vast majority of us who graduated from that school never heard the message of the gospel. We thought the Bible was just a bunch of mythology. That was an inaccurate historical record. And that many of us graduated with a very, very distorted view of Christianity. And as I speak with... My alumni friends who now have their children going to that school, many of them are very concerned because the same teaching which has embraced liberalism and the naturalistic explanation of the world, of the Bible, it looks through just a naturalistic kind of worldview, explaining away all the miracles. They're very concerned that their kids are now going to go through years of this kind of teaching. And they're very concerned that any preaching of the gospel there is met with a lot of resistance. And whatever trace there was of its original mission to see young men and women come to know Jesus Christ as its Lord and Savior, that message has now pretty much at large been silenced. There's just only a few remnants, small trace that this was once a Christian missionary school and that is the goal of our adversary to pervert the message of the gospel to distort the god's truth and render the message of the church silent he's been successful in too many areas and our call as christians is to be ready having the right mindset that we are in a struggle here and that the stakes are very high the eternal destiny of our friends and family are at stake the eternal destiny of men and women, and the welfare of our very society. So Christians and the church, we can ill afford to isolate ourselves from the culture and from the world around us. Instead, we are called to enter this, what can often be a very hostile arena, and engage the culture for Christ. Now, in ages past, the church was a major force in society. In fact, the Early church transformed the Roman Empire in just one generation. And church historians have been looking at that, trying to figure out how the early church was able to just turn that Roman world upside down. And my church history professor gave us a very easy explanation. He said they were able to outlove the culture around them, and they were able to outthink the culture around them. And when you've got those two combinations going, that's an unbeatable combination. In recent decades, the church has chosen in many places to retreat from the struggle. We are called to enter into that struggle and engage our lost world for Christ. So evangelism, I want to give you a bigger definition. Evangelism is more than just sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is engaging Our lost world for the kingdom of God. And Paul states that when we engage the world, we're not to rely on worldly wisdom, attitudes, and the tactics of this world. He says we engage the world in an unworldly manner. Second, Paul states that we are called to demolish strongholds that keep people in unbelief. Verse 4, he writes this, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. The temptation is to enter into the struggle with the mindset and the tactics of this world, relying on human wisdom with attractions that mimic the world with cultural practices rather than the divine resources that God has given us. A secularized church that has bought in to the ideas of the culture is one that has been overpowered by the forces of darkness, and is inadequate for the task. The weaponry here, Paul describes, are given by the Holy Spirit, and they come with divine power, and they are able to demolish these strongholds of unbelief. Now, the word demolish there, I looked it up, it's a very interesting word. It's it's the Greek word kataskato. Kata means down. Skato means to dig. And so the meaning of this word means To dig down under the foundations of a building or a barrier and hence overthrow the barrier or the building. And the word stronghold here, a stronghold or a fortification is used in a metaphorical way here and Paul is using this to describe any strong argument that is used in which a person uses to withhold and keep his enemy at bay. And so Paul is saying here, with the divine resources that God has given us, we are to be trained and equipped and skillfully use them to undermine and overthrow the very foundations of the false ideas that keep people from a belief in Christ. Now the weapons that Paul is describing here that are scorned by the world but most feared by the powers which oppose God's people and God's truth, are found in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. Paul uses the armor of the Christian. And there are seven divine resources here that Paul describes here in the spiritual armor of the Christian. There are truth, righteous living, evangelism, faith, trusting that God is working as I serve him faithfully in proclaiming the gospel, salvation, the Word of God, and prayer. And it is with these resources Paul calls upon us to enter and engage in this struggle. It doesn't take long for you to open popular magazines and newspapers and discover that our culture has embraced a lot of false ideas that keep people resistant to our message of the gospel. And often you have got to break through some of these barriers before they will listen to a presentation of the gospel. We saw it just a couple years ago. Runaway bestseller. Sold close to, I believe, 40 million copies all over the world. This book, The Da Vinci Code. I remember I was in China, and I sat down at a coffee shop in China, in the middle of China, and a guy sat down, Chinese student sat down and said, You're from America? I said, Yes. He said, Have you heard of a book? I said, What book? He said, The Da Vinci Code, and he held up a Chinese translation of the Da Vinci Code. I mean, this book was all over the world. I was at the Hong Kong airport. Guy in front of me was from Germany. He had a German translation of the Da Vinci Code. And the guy behind me, um, I think he was from Japan, he had a Japanese translation of the Da Vinci Code. I mean, this thing was everywhere. And if you read the novel or saw the movie, you saw the false ideas that it was asserting that Jesus Christ was not the divine Son of God. This was a legend that was created 300 years later at the Christian Council of Nicaea, uh, propagated and led by the pagan emperor Constantine, that the Gospels were not written by first century eyewitnesses, that they were written centuries later and embellished by the church and exaggerated. Jesus was just a, a, a man who married, who had children, And his whole legend about him being the divine son of God and doing miracles were legends inserted by the church over the centuries um, as they edited and embellished the Gospels. And that many of these miracle accounts and the uh, foundational ideas of Christianity all come from Greek mythology. Those were the false ideas being embraced and propagated by the popular media and the culture. And wherever I was going throughout the United States and the world, those are the challenges from this novel that I had to answer. Oh, and we saw last year, this one, the Gospel of Judith was, quote, discovered. And here, the popular media was touting this as the lost gospel. This gospel precedes our four gospels and tells us like the Da Vinci Code, the real story of Jesus, that he was a Gnostic philosopher. He was a Gnostic guru who wanted to be killed. And so Judas is the hero. Judas and Christ conspire that he would be killed because in Gnosticism, the material world is evil. And Jesus wanted to get out of his body so that he could traverse the universe and go on his way to become one with the divine, with the one. And so him and Judas get in this plot so that he can escape this body and become one with the divine. And then we saw earlier this year, Simon Jacobovicki in their discovery special, The Lost Tomb of Jesus, Jacobovicki claiming that they have found the family tomb of Jesus. Now, I don't have time to refute all of these. Uh, you can go to probe.org or evidenceandanswers.org and read the articles I've written on them, but these ideas were shown to be completely false. However, hey, our culture embraced these ideas, and we're often using these ideas against Christians to send them into retreat and to silence the proclamation of the gospel and to silence the church. And so throughout the world, I was going addressing these issues. And one of the things that Christians fail to realize is that challenges like these are a tremendous opportunity to share the gospel. Because there are curious people all over wondering can Christianity, can the Bible stand up to these challenges? And they're waiting to hear an answer, and they're interested. And so throughout the world, I had a great opportunity to demolish these false arguments, as Paul states, and as we demolish false arguments like this, most of the time it leads into a presentation of the gospel. And so we are called to engage our culture, not to run from challenges like this, but to engage our culture, engage these challenges, and dismantle false ideas to present truth and as we do so this often leads to an opportunity to present the gospel and you have a curious audience who is listening wanting to see if their answers and when they discover them they're ready to hear the gospel we can only demolish strongholds of false beliefs if we are using the right resources that God provides the six that we mentioned truth righteous living evangelism, faith, salvation, the Word of God, and prayer. Okay. Too many, too many we are finding in the body of Christ are untrained and unprepared okay, to present truth in a compelling manner. Therefore, many of us fail to engage the culture for Christ effectively. Okay. Too many Christians do not know how to present truth In the arena in which God has called each one of you to. More than ever, more than ever in our time, we need churches made up of Christians who are equipped and trained to engage the world and the arena God has called them to, to present truth in that arena in a powerful and compelling way.
0: We want to thank you so much for listening to Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckeran on this timely topic and remind you that you can get this entire series at our website, evidenceandanswers.org. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find some of the best resources on presenting and defending your faith in Christ to an increasingly skeptical world at evidenceandanswers.org. World religions, atheism, the cults, the occult, Apologetics, scientific and philosophical arguments for the existence of God, creation and evolution, the reliability of the Bible, archaeology and history, and the end times, to name but just a few.
1: There's a new feature on our website called iShows where you can download each individual show for just two fifty dollars on our website EvidenceAndAnswers.org. Just like you download a song on iTunes, these are iShows that you can download each individual show you want and we've got some of the top scholars on there.
0: Evidence and Answers is supported by you, the listener, who appreciates a program that gives good answers to good questions. Our calling is to do what the Apostle Paul did on Mars Hill in Athens. He presented and defended the gospel of Jesus Christ and will help you do the same by the grace of God. Just go to evidenceandanswers.org and any gift or purchase of resources will be a tremendous encouragement to us. And remember that this entire series is available at evidenceandanswers.org. This has been Kevin Harris. Thank you so much for listening to Evidence and Answers with Pat Sukarin. God bless and thanks so much for listening.